1: this is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
5: Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. Had a little glitch getting started there, but uh, I think things will be smooth sailing now. Got a great show coming up, uh, starting uh Let's see, where are we going to start? A um, little, uh, little out of breath here from Fixing the Glitch. We are going to uh, start out with uh, Lisa Klein Ransom. She'll be coming up in just, just a few minutes. She's the author of almost 20 books for young readers. Her newest book, Being Clem, is the final novel in the award-winning Findin' Finding Langston Trilogy. Then we have, um, in the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Britta Lundeen, who grew up in a small town in Oregon, playing basketball, softball, and for two formative young years, flag football. She works as a TV writer, but has a, a new young adult novel called Like Other Girls. Then we're going to talk about income and wealth with the author of a book by that same name. David Parker will join us in the third half of our three-hour tour. So I hope you enjoy uh, some of these interesting conversations this morning. Coming up tomorrow on the big broadcast, tomorrow being Wednesday, it's Armchair Politics Day. And we have a special guest joining the roundtable. We'll have our roundtable regulars. Uh, Paul Rosicki on the left and uh, Henry Hatter on the right. But they'll be joined by um, a political activist and author, uh, Seth David Radwell, who was on the show recently talking about his new book, American Schism. And uh, we also have, uh, starting out the show tomorrow, the um, an attorney who... Let's see, where am I? Anyway, I lost my notes. Matt DePerno was uh, the attorney in the case uh, challenging the voting machines in Antrim County during the 2020 presidential election. And he has just recently announced that he's running for attorney general. And we'll be talking with Matt DiPerno tomorrow morning to start out the show, and that'll be followed by uh, Armchair Politics. Always uh, always a fun roundtable on Wednesdays when we talk about, um, well, the headlines in politics and current events, plus uh, you know, some interesting quotes from the week, and uh, my favorite part the coveted x-files anyway uh, as i mentioned had a little glitch getting started this morning sorry if it feels a little bit clunky Uh, i was crawling around sorting cables and stuff to make sure we got back on the air so we are back on the air things should be running smooth we've got uh, oh just about a minute to go before we uh, kick off our conversation with um, lisa klein Ransom, let's see if I can, yeah, she's had uh, more than 20 books for young readers, and uh, she's um, had NAACP Image Award nominations, a Coretta Scott King Honor, and a Christopher Award. She's also been named to ALA Notable Books and Bank Street Best Children's Books List. So, I hope you'll uh, stick around and uh, enjoy. And uh, be sure and tune in for a very special edition of Armchair Politics here on the Tom Sumner Program tomorrow, each and every Wednesday for uh, commentary and analysis on local, state, national, Headlines uh, from politics and current events. Anyway, tomorrow's going to be a special edition, so I hope you'll tune in for that. In the meantime, uh, let's turn it over to my conversation with Lisa Klein-Ransom, who will be uh, joining me by phone here in just a moment. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. I guess this this hour has just come out with... um, The third book in a a trilogy called the Finding Langston Trilogy, the new book is uh, Being Clem. She is the author of more than 20 books for young readers and joins me by phone. Uh, She is Lisa Klein Ransom. Lisa, welcome to the show. And am I pronouncing your name right because I'm terrible with names?
4: No, you are pronouncing it perfectly. Thank you so much, Tom.
5: Excellent um well welcome to the show and and I, and i want to ask because um usually the a, a series uh, uh like this uh, um a trilogy if you will has a um an umbrella title it's you know the the avenger series or you know something and then there okay. are these different titles but all three books in this um in this trilogy have different names. There's Finding Langston, Leaving Lyman, and now being Clem. What ties these three together as as a trilogy?
4: Well what what ties the three together is you know, it began obviously with the title character of Langston and the story really is about this young boy who had left rural Alabama in nineteen forty six and moves to Chicago and doesn't quite fit, but he finds a solace in the Cleveland Hall Public Library and the, the words um, and the poetry of Langston Hughes. But he is relentlessly bullied by Lyman and Clem. And so there is this um, very climactic scene in the schoolyard where Lyman rips this book of poetry from Langston's hand, and tears it, you know, tears it apart. And this scene is kind of witnessed through the, an experience through, through Langston's eyes, and then in, in leaving Lyman, we see it also experienced through the eyes of Lyman, and also in Being Clem, we see it through the eyes of Clem. So it's this one kind of, one experience, is one kind of unifying climactic experience that we see it through the eyes of all these characters. But that's really the only thing that ties all of these books together. Um, are they sequential? I felt that when I was... Yeah, uh, yeah, um, they, they are and they aren't. Um, when I was you know, exploring writing, this you know, when I wrote the first book, I had no idea I would be writing... You know, a series.
5: I'm so glad you, you know, said that because I ask writers <laughs> of series and and trilogies and so on. Um, I I always wonder if you get to the end of that first book and go, but wait, there's more.
4: <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I said no, I'm done, I'm finished. But my editor said, no, you're not done. Look look at this. We 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 should really explore the story of Lyman, of the bully. Let's tell his side of the story. And I thought. I don't know what side of the story there is to tell. I don't know much about the secondary character. Wow! All of a sudden, you're about
5: it. So, all of yeah. Su- yeah, all of a sudden, Lisa, you're tasked with trying to see this story through the eyes of a bully.
4: <laughs> exactly. So it was nice to kind of explore that, but I had to think about his backstory, and then I explored that through um, the eyes, like thinking about going back and and trying to find my way in. And I used blues music and the history of the Parchment Barn Penitentiary as my way into his story. And then I thought, oh, I'm done. You know, whoo, I did that. And she said, You know what? We should make this a trilogy. I thought, No, no, not a trilogy <laughs> She said, Yes, let's think about the story of Clem, the other friend in this, you know, in this in this in this, in this with the life of these boys. And so then I thought, Oh, so I found my way into Clem's box story. By using um, the Port Chicago disaster, which is how his father died, and how he connected with, um, you know, the title character Langston and the disabled swim team, as my way into Clem's story. Can
5: Can you explain for me and the listeners the uh, what the uh, Port Chicago disaster was?
4: So, the Port Chicago disaster was this kind of tragic naval base explosion that happened. Um, in the San Francisco Bay during World War II. Um, And it was um, a time when, you know, there was segregation in the military and a lot of the black soldiers who had signed up and were interested in fighting um, were often given the worst jobs in the military. And one of the jobs that they were assigned was to unload ammunition and explosives um, off of ships. But they were given that job without much instruction. And so they had to kind of devise their own methods um, for unloading these very dangerous explosives. And sure enough, the inevitable happened, and there was an explosion which killed hundreds of black servicemen. And many of them were actually unable to be even identified. And so um, in this fictional account and being Clem, Clem's father would have been one of those soldiers who were killed. And Clem and his family are suffering. Um, the repercussions of losing his father during that Port Chicago disaster.
5: That, thanks for explaining that, because at first glance, Lisa, you know, you, you've got a story that's taking place on the South Side of Chicago, and then there's this Port Chicago <laughs> disaster, but it actually happens in San Francisco. It, it you know, at exactly. first, I it, know, it's,
4: it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's
5: it's a little disorienting, you know, at first glance, but. But the thing that's interesting about these books and that's been commented a lot by uh, on by uh, reviewers is um the the exploration of what was going on in America at the time that these that this story takes place and do you, mm-hmm. do you consider it a historic novel definitely I consider
4: it Historic novel. I mean, there's so much um, happening. And and one of the things that led me to even writing about this period in history was that I had read um, Isabel Wilkerson's The Warmth of Other Suns, the epic story of America's great migration. And I was so um, fascinated by the story of all of these um, African Americans leaving the South and coming north and, you know, and moving to all of these incredible, you know, American cities and changing basically the demographics of, of America. And so I thought, wow, you know, and Chicago is one of those cities. And, you know, Milwaukee um, plays largely also in these books. And so I thought it would be so interesting to kind of think about, um, you know, these, these cities and, and the great migration I've seen through the eyes of, a young, of young African-American boys what was that experience like for them during this period? And we often think about it, you know, how adults fared and leaving the South and coming North. But what was it like for kids leaving everything behind, everything they knew and coming North? It was like a huge difference. This was, you know, my my, my own parents, this is the story of my own family. My mother and father both left the South and came North to Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And I thought, wow, what would that have been like for them? So, that's how the the series even began
5: more with author lisa klein ransom straight ahead
2: hello out there everybody it's me tigger T i double gr that spells tigger and don't forget to remember to listen to tom sumner
4: program
1: on account of because he's so bouncy (laughs) hoo.
3: It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you.
2: Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com.
6: This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
5: More with author Lisa Klein Ransom straight ahead. This show is based in Flint, Michigan, and Flint was one of those towns where people went because factories mm-hmm. were going up. There were lots of good-paying, basically low-skilled jobs, and mm-hmm. it attracted people from all over the country, especially from the South. And... Um, there's a, a mention of a character. Uh, I think it's Clem's mother, who has a college degree, but works at a as a servant in in a white home. Exactly. And and yes. as you were talking and, about the migration, I was thinking of a, a friend of mine, a, a musician here in, in in the Flint area, who passed away a few years ago, and he had told me that his dad was an engineer educated up in northern michigan somewhere he was black
0: mm-hmm. and he
5: came down to flint to get a job in a factory and was hired as a janitor and i <laughs> and i thought yeah. of that when you were talking uh, you know when you mentioned clem's mother
4: mm-hmm. and and that's part of the i mean you know in my research you know i i, I was surprised honestly at um what i discovered about you know the reality the harsh reality that um so many blacks faced in living in these cities you know you you think you're coming for a chance at advancement but yet at every turn they are still faced with the realities of of racism and discrimination and so what i discovered is so many college educated black women you know were faced with just limited, you know, career options. So many college-educated women were working as domestics. I, I so would think that at that allowed
5: yeah. at at that point in time, mm-hmm. I would think that was um, sadly fairly common.
4: I I was shocked by it. I mean, it, you know, I I don't I just I could not believe um, just the the narrow options that were available to people, and I. And so, again, I, I really um, highlighted that part of the story just so that readers could try to imagine what that would have felt like to have, you know, had so many sacrifices in trying to get an education and yet every day having to get up and put on a uniform and go and work um, for this family and you know, <laughs> in a job in which you felt constantly demeaned. Um, And so, but yet she maintained her sense of dignity and pride and her life was devoted to making, ensuring that her children would never have to do this type of work and ensuring that they um, could do better and also had opportunities for um, having a better life and getting a great education. You
5: also talk in the story about... um a decline in prosperity for Clem's family after his uh, father passed away. Um, mm-hmm. How do you um, how do you measure prosperity and then the lack of it as it relates to this story? Or the decline in it,
4: I should yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think, again, this is a time, and you mentioned that, you know, your friend and I, I, a lot of, you know, People were coming to this area, and there was in Chicago. I mean, what was interesting about the south side of Chicago is because of redlining and again, um, this blatant racism, blacks have, were unable to, to move beyond the south side of Chicago, no matter how much money you had. So, whether you were a doctor, a domestic, whatever profession you had you're forced to live in this one area. And so um, there was this wide you know, economic range of people, everybody living in this one particular area. And so you know, Clem's family was, I would say, part of the middle class, with, with his father working first as a Pullman porter and then um, being in the military. His mother was working part-time and she was also at home, and they were part of the the middle class in some way. There are references in the book to her um, being part of the NAACP, which I think is also giving indication to um, their status in the community. Um, And so with the father's loss of income, um, it really, as, as it does today, it sends that family into a spiral, and there is now a real sense of uncertainty. Um, and so you can, you can see um, how that one, that, that, that one um, crisis, there, there is no real um, safety net at all that's available for them. Um, you know, there is the church family, but there's really nothing left for them to hang on to. And, and there, are, there is a scene in the book in which she, the, the mother is referencing... Um, her concerns about having to move to a kitchenette apartment, which is, you know, a step below them. You know, she, what she doesn't want to do is to drop completely into what she considers a lower class of people um, because they have been so solidly middle class. And so, um, you know, this fear, they've been living in they're renting, you know, they're not, they don't own an apartment or own, a, um, you know, their own home. But they they live in a a nice neighborhood, in a two-bedroom apartment. But the fear is always, will we be forced to live in this other part of town in a kitchenette apartment? That would be, you know, a real decline of their fortune. And so um, she is able to maintain, um, you know, living in this place, but it's always really hand-to-mouth. And she's able to do that by working as a domestic, but still... You know, there's always a sense um, with Clem and his sister, you know, what will, will she be able to maintain it Um, and how close they are living to the edge? There's always that fear. Um, And so, you know, I think that 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 concern about how close they are to dropping into the lower class, I think, for them is one in which um, causes this constant sense of fear and uncertainty um, which which we see with Clem as part of his ongoing fear and nervousness um, that he has difficulty expressing and manifest in a variety of ways.
5: Lisa, you've written more than 20 books for young readers, and um, do you think of the Finding Langston trilogy and this uh, this third installment being Clem as being written for young readers and does have having young uh, uh, lead characters make it so?
4: Um, do I see it as being written for young readers? Yeah. Is that, I'm sorry, was that... I just I see it as being written for... It, in some ways, I think this is the right answer, but I, in some ways I feel like I'm writing the book for myself in some ways like i just enjoy um, writing about the experience and writing about the history um, of this country and um, I, I should i should share that i have um, i have i'm a mother of four and I have um, three daughters and one son and part of the series came about um, because I have a son who's Incredibly sweet and kind and sensitive, and so um, one of the things um, that I always loved was my son's ability to, to openly express, you know, his feelings, and I encouraged him to do so. But I always felt that in this, in our household, he was always really encouraged, you know, to be himself and to, to be openly. Um, Um, emotive and and expressive, and then I felt like when he left this household, he wasn't encouraged um, to do that, and he was almost penalized for it. And I thought that this is a battle I think that many young boys face. Um, They're almost penalized for being um, expressive. And so I kind of wanted to write a book about a boy who was expressive, and, um, and is and, and, and has to struggle against um, the forces and the and, and society and the community who in some ways penalizes them for being expressive. And so the, the book started in that way, and it, um, it just happens to feature a young boy like my son who was that way. So, I mean, I'm writing the book, and I'm writing about, in some ways, my, my own experiences and writing about my son, and I, I hope that it touches a really wide audience, you know, hopefully someone, you know, the, the age of the characters. But I, I found that also it has touched older audiences as well. Uh, um, my editor used to laugh when I would I would call her or um, reach out to her and tell her about the letters that I had received, um, one in particular from uh, a 25-year-old um, poet who said how much he loved... Um, the characters in Finding Langston, and he wanted to know whatever happened to the father and the neighbor. Did they ever wind up getting married? And I thought, I, ca- I can't answer that question. It's fiction. I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't really respond. And I thought, oh, wow, it's interesting the ways in which characters touch people and they want to know more. And I thought, he's 25. You know, I- I don't really have an answer for you. So you, know, if you never know who these books are going to touch or who's going to read them, I guess, is my answer.
5: And I just wonder if, if stories about young people are maybe a little more relatable to young readers.
4: Yes, I, I um I I absolutely think so. And I think it's you know, um it's nice to read about somebody your age who is going through the same thing that you're going through makes you feel certainly less alone in the world um i think and i think back to when i was a kid i often thought that everything that i was experiencing only i was experiencing that and so it was helpful to me um when i would go to the library i was, a, I was an avid reader when i would go to the library and i would open a book and i would find a book about um a character who was um having the same fears or worries or going through the same um, things that I was going through, I thought, ah, oh, really? You know, and it just made me just feel less alone in the world. So yeah, I, I, I hope the books um, help um, young people to, to, to navigate the world or, or ask questions about the world um, in a way that um, gives them some sense of of solace or calm, or even just helps them to ask questions or explore um, things that maybe they wouldn't have explored before.
5: When um, did or does uh, the the book, being Clem, um, officially come out or drop, as they say?
4: It, see, it actually dropped um, on Tuesday. Okay. Yes, on Tuesday.
5: Yes. yes. Um, and and how long ago did you finish the book? And and what I'm getting at, Lisa, is trying to find out if, as a writer, if if um, your work had changed during the uh, in some way during the uh, the pandemic. Did you find it more challenging, or did you find that you had more time to write, etc.?
4: I definitely had more time to write in part because I, my travel slowed down. I was traveling quite a bit and I was thought that I was doing a really great job at multitasking. I consider myself the great multitasker with with caps. Um, the great multitasker and I could write and I was getting used to writing on my laptop while listening for my flight to be called, and I could do a great job. But then the pandemic hit, and then I was sitting in my office, with was quiet, um, and I realized that I could write in a very different way. I could write for long periods, and I could delve deeper into uh, my subjects, and spending more time with, with my characters, I think allowed me to flesh things out differently um without you know without the interruption and so i think it has allowed my work to, to flourish in a way that writing in between <laughs> in the in between time yeah, right did. so yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean i i feel like I'm, I'm starting to travel again so i get a little nervous but yeah i think that the pandemic has helped um my writing so i'm i i was i was grateful for the time at home. I know it's been a difficult time for, for many people, but I, I I was grateful for the time at home.
5: Yeah, I, I find that interesting, and I, I don't know if it surprises you the way it surprised me, but I, I was surprised by the number of writers I've talked to, very successful writers, who said, you know, while they were in quarantine that they were a little bit like a deer in the headlights that you know, they, they weren't nearly as productive as you know they look back and say well i could have gotten so much done and didn't um and and so i find yeah. it interesting talking to people about how they use the time i guess so now that yeah. being yeah. clem is finished uh, aside from you know some of the promotion and and you know having to suffer through interviews like this one um <laughs> um what's <laughs> what's next for you lisa
4: so right now I am working on, on a new novel and this is you know I had written I' mentioned a lot of picture books and I have even written a chap, a chapter book that came out recently. And so these this is my middle grade trilogy. and now I'm working on a young adult novel um, that takes place in 1940 um, in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, that, it, it, that addresses a kind of a troubling period again in history. And so I'm working my way through that and hopefully we'll have that finished in the next month or so. So that's kind of what I'm working through now. And then I'm going to go right, after that, I'm going to go right into another probably young adult novel. So I'm sticking with this, with, with middle grade and YA for now. So. This has been a, a great um, – the transition into middle grade has shown me how much I love being with this age group and how I love diving a little more deeply into, um, into history and spending more time with the character, unlike picture books. It's middle grade and YA. You get to spend longer periods with your, with your subjects and really get to know them in a, in a deeper and
5: fuller way. Do all of your books, um, dig into black American history as, as much as this trilogy and is, is black American history a long time interest for you or something you've discovered and, and continue to learn about as you research and write your books? I I
4: would say, yeah, like absolutely. I mean, I, um, Growing up, like many of the stories I'm telling now, I never read about in history textbooks. I was wondering. And so I, I actually I can't even... Yeah, I, 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 I can't even say I was much of a fan of history. I have to you know, confess I wasn't a fan of history. But I've always loved stories, and I've always loved reading. But I discovered, kind of as I got older, that history really a form of storytelling. It's kind of the stories we tell about ourselves Well, and, and, our and
5: I think you would agree with me that history should be taught that way and not a series of dates and places.
4: This is the, this is the issue I had with the way in which I was taught history, that it was about dates and places and battles. And I thought, I am not connecting with this at all. I couldn't even make connections between well yeah, they were events. just
5: they were just points on a timeline, and I, I have the same issue, and I thought you might as well and and I think a lot of people, as they get older and they hear the stories of history, it becomes much more interesting
4: yes, exactly and so and also for me, I grew up in um in Malden, Massachusetts, and so when I, I, you know i I love living in Malden, but i in growing up in the seventies um In my classroom, it was like the role of blacks in this country, it was basically was one of enslavement and the civil rights movement. And so now the stories that I'm discovering, you know, like the Port Chicago disaster and the impact of the Great Migration, it's like I'm having the opportunity to fill in gaps in history um, and make connections. And so for me also, these stories help me to kind of give voice and perspective to people that I never really heard much about. And so it also helps me to think about blacks in history um like as part of our collective American history. That that's what I love. I'm I'm hearing the voices of blacks in history and not just like, you know, blacks were slaves, you know, blacks marched. That you know,
5: yeah, I, I get I mean, it. it. I, I, I... Yes, yes. <laughs> I get it, Lisa, and, and uh and and I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um because there are so many uh entrepreneurs and inventors and you know, the and people we just didn't hear about because it was uh focused on on slavery and the civil rights movement. I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, I'm I'm having such a good time talking with you, Lisa, and I appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners this morning and i want to say thank you for that but i always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future um do you have a website lisa
4: i do it's uh lisa ransom dot com my name is a little tricky because it's l e s a and it's klein c l i n e and ransom r a n s o m e so every possible name has an unusual
5: point. <laughs> well, Lisa, thanks again yeah. and, and keep sharing these great stories and and keep up the good work.
4: Well, thank you so much, Tom. I have so enjoyed talking to you. All right. Take care.
5: Again, that was uh, Lisa Klein Ransom. and She uh has authored more than 20 books for young readers, and uh, her newest rounds out the Finding Langston series, which includes uh, Finding Langston, Leaving Lyman, and the newest, Being Clem. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner
0: program. (laughs)
7: Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better (coughs) now back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super. It's damn important that we practice isolation Because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it then we're all gonna die If we don't do it then we're all gonna die and So I hope at last you will take this lesson here to heart Because it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised Contagious awful virus If we don't act quick and social Distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine the lesson to until July A super bad transmittable Super bad transmittable Contagious Awful Virus Super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus
0: From the Dumb Sunday.
2: Oh, oh yeah Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program
3: While we've been staying safe at home scientists have been on a journey the destination, a COVID-19 vaccine This journey began decades ago Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at Michigan.gov slash COVID A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
1: this is Rochelle Ray.
2: Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
1: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hempel. Shada Buddy doo.
2: Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner program.
3: Those hands, no matter whose they are, can
2: spread the germs of many common diseases.
0: I didn't have lamps and shovels for digging Deep rooms in my heart Birds of all kinds were wheeling about in pleasure Muskegon was the last place I'd have chosen to go Cut. Stop.
2: trying to do a radio show down here it's a tom Sumner program don't you know go on go on get out of here